Today's text um, is coming out of Matthew 14, 1 through 12. And uh, let's just take a look at that. And it says, at that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard about the fame of Jesus, and he said uh, to his servants, this is John the Baptist. He has been raised from the dead, and that is why these miraculous powers are at work in him. For Herod had seized John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother's Philip's wife, because John had been saying to him, it is not lawful for you to have her. And though he wanted to put him to death, he feared the people because they held him to be a prophet. But when Herod's birthday came, the daughter of Herodias danced before the company and pleased Herod so that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she might ask. Prompted by her mother, she said, give me the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And the king was sorry, but because of his oath and his guest, he commanded it to be given. He sent and had John beheaded in the prison, and his head was brought on a platter given to the girl, and she brought it to her mother. And his disciples came and took the body and buried it, and they went and told Jesus. So I still ask Ezra, why me? <laughs> I mean, everybody else got to preach about the miracles, you know, the, the, two lo- the five loaves and two fish, and Keith's going to preach next week about how the 5,000 get fed, and I got to teach why John lost his head. <laughs> but that's okay, because there must be a message from the Lord, Amen. There must be something God wants to say because he inserted that right in the middle of the parables. The parables that talk about whether or not you treasure the kingdom. The parables that talk about whether you really want to chase after God. So he inserted this right in the middle. So I accept the fact that I have to preach about John losing his head. Let us pray. God, we just come before you right now. We come before you now to give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise, Lord. We ask you, God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, O God, that you would speak to your people on this day, O God, that you would move your manservant aside, O Lord, that you would speak through me, God, that your word would fall on good soil, O God, that there would be a change in our hearts as a result of what you speak to us on this day, God. Now fill this place with your glory, O God. Fill this place with your Holy Spirit, O God that we would feel your presence all around. God, we thank you. We praise you for what you're going to do. Have your way in our souls and use us for your glory. In Jesus' mighty name, we say amen. Amen. So the subject, or better yet, the question is, what choice will you make? What choice will you make? You see, every day we are faced with choices. As soon as we get up and step into the bedroom floor, uh, the battle begins. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't just happen one time. It happens every time. It's about, are the kids bothering that morning? Are you worried about work that morning? Did you and your spouse have a fight that night before? The battle is ongoing. And we, we are faced with temptations every day, all around us, every direction, on our jobs, in our homes, in our schools. Temptation abounds. 
in our stores, in our churches. Lust, greed, envy, strife, jealousy, gluttony, laziness, anger, all presented as viable choices to our search for happiness. We're in a war with a roaring lion hunting us down one by one, seeking who he can devour. Wicked and deceptive hearts, unforgiveness and vengeance, lying and dissension, all displayed through the TV, through the internet, through social media, as acceptable alternatives to self-sacrifice and repentance. Every day, the enemy launches a new attack against us. Why? Because we serve a living God, and he doesn't like it. He sets us up with a choice of life and death every day. Looking at the life of Herod and John, things have not changed in 2,000 years. The same choices that were presented then are presented to us today. So the question is, what choice will you make? What choice did they make? Herod Antipas, ruler of Galilee, son of King Herod. Yes, the same King Herod that tried to kill baby Jesus. The apple doesn't fall from the tree. Herod Antipas, a tetrarch, not a king. Only ruling over a quarter of the territory, but he was greedy. He wanted it all. He went to Rome and said, I want all the territory. He didn't even like his title. He was a tetrarch. He wanted to be king like his dad. Like father, like son. Yes, Herod, the one who stole his half-brother's wife and brought her back to the home palace where his current wife was still alive. Not only did he steal his brother's wife, but the wife he stole happened to also be his niece, the daughter of another brother. Doesn't this sound like a reality TV show? <laughs> like I said, nothing's changed. How prideful and how prideful and full of oneself does a person have to be to make these types of choices? Obviously, Herod thought that he was somebody. Somebody that was above the law. Somebody that would not be challenged. Somebody that would not rebuke him. Somebody that would respect his authority. But there was a man, and his name was John. He was a prophet, a messenger of God that was willing to call it what it was. An adulterous relationship with Herod's near kinsman that was unlawful. John the Baptist was that man. Willing to put his head on the line. But how did Herod respond to John's calling him out? How did Herod respond to the public embarrassment? Herod rejected the truth. John was trying to speak life into Herod, trying to restore Herod, but Herod didn't want to hear it. He wanted to hold on to his sin. Not only did he reject him, reject the word, but he rejected John as well. Sometimes when we're trying to speak into somebody's life, they may not receive it. When you try to speak truth into a loved one 
or somebody in the body of Christ, they may not hear you. They may not want to hear it. But don't stop. Don't stop. Take the rejection as a a, a sweet odor of perfume. Like, God, thank you because I did what you told me to do. Sometimes the truth hurts. And when you share it with someone, even in love, they may not want to hear it. So instead of embracing the truth and turning from his sin, what did he do? He put John in jail on account of Herodias, his evil and conniving wife. So now sin is compounded. Not only is he an adulterer, but he has also imprisoned an innocent man. And for what purpose? Doesn't he know that trying to hide his sin away, trying to keep it quiet, doesn't change the fact that he's still living in sin? God still knows. God still is repulsed by the sin. Sin begets more sin. And the enemy always wants more. But this was not just about his wife. Verse 5 tells us that he too wanted to kill John. But he was afraid because the people knew he was a prophet. Mark 6 and 20 says, For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man. He knew that John was a righteous and holy man. And he kept him safe. And even when he heard John, Herod was greatly Greatly perplexed, and yet he heard him gladly. So what kind of man is this that would imprison somebody that he enjoyed being around? Sin had shown Herod to be a full-fledged, fearful coward. Herod was afraid, afraid of his wife, afraid of his friends, afraid of Herodias, afraid of John. Sin had weakened his sense of morality and his sense of justice. How deep the root of sin must have been in Herod to knowingly put a messenger of God in jail in order to fulfill his flesh. When we look at verse 6 through 10, this is what it says. But when Herod's birthday came, the daughter of Herodias danced before the company and pleased Herod so that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she might ask. Prompted by her mother, she said, give me the head. Let me say that again. Prompted by her mother, she said, give me the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And the king was sorry, but because of this oath and his guest, because of this oath and, and his guest, he commanded it to be given. And he sent and had John beheaded in the prison. Sin begets sin begets more sin. He went from adultery to imprisonment to murder. Sin's appetite is unquenchable. It will consume us. If you give it a foothold, it will take a leg. Once it gets its leg, it wants your heart. Sin now has caused Herod to put a facade of honor on, a facade of dignity, a facade of integrity. He's a poser now, a pretender. I took an oath. I have to fulfill my oath. It must be upheld. 
He just wanted to do what he wanted to do all along. His motives were never pure. He wanted to silence the messenger. Permanently kill John. His daughter danced so well that it pleased him. This is his stepdaughter that danced before him. And the other lustful men there. Danced before him at the party and from that he said, I'll give you whatever you want. We must guard our tongue. We must guard our eyes. We must protect ourselves. Not to put ourselves in a position where we're saying things and making promises that we should not keep. Our word should mean something special. But Herod was worried about the guests too. What would they think if I don't honor my oath? Sin will cause us to fear man and not fear God. It'll cause us to look around and say, who might reject me if I don't do this thing that I know is not right? Sin will embrace us in such a way we will think that it matters what man thinks. When all that matters is God. Since when does keeping an oath to do a wrong thing Become honorable. Just so I can say I kept my word. What good is your word if your word leads to death? How many excuses can one man make for choosing sin? Will he blame his friends? Will he blame his wife? Will he blame his daughters? Will he blame his co-workers? I'll tell you what Herod needed to do. Herod needed to put his big boy pants on and tell people that I'm going to do the right thing. He needed to stand for righteousness. But yet, he wanted to shoot the messenger. Everybody that we speak to will not receive it. And we can expect the fiery darts. But we must do what God called us to do. Reflecting back about verse 1 and 2, it says, and, and Matthew wrote this sort of reverse order because this happened after John had been killed. And, and so in that verse 1 and 2, it says, and, and it talks about the fact that uh, at that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard about the fame of Jesus and he said to his servants, this is John the Baptist. He has been raised from the dead. And that is why these miraculous powers are at work in him. Herod has lost his mind. He had already killed John. Jesus and John were only six months apart. So how could that be? How could Jesus be John incarnate? It really came down to Herod not wanting to receive the message that Christ was the Messiah. <laughs> He couldn't get his head around the fact that it wasn't John. No, that is the one they spoke of that's going to deliver all of us from evil. So he rejected not only John, but he rejected Christ as well. His shame and his guilt had consumed him. Herod had a choice. Yield to God's message and live a righteous life. Or continue to wallow in sin. 
embracing the things of this world. Herod chose to hold on to his sin. But there was a man who chose another path, one of obedience and faithfulness, and his name was John the Baptist. The prophet foretold of in Isaiah 40 and 3, a man on a mission, a simple message in Mark 3, 2 and 3. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. For this is the one that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, a voice crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his way straight. John the Baptist, a miracle baby, born under Elizabeth, who was old in age, but she thought she was barren, but God touched her. And she had a son, a man not given to strong drink, a man who had a strange diet, locusts and honey, a man who wore strange clothes, camel hair. Sometimes as saints, we might just have to step out and be a little different. But he was a man filled by the Holy Spirit while he was still in the mother's womb. This was John, the one that baptized Jesus. This was John, the one that heard the voice from heaven and said, this is my son who is well pleased. This is John that was a witness on fire for God. Because he was there in the midst of Christ when the spirit fell on him. But here's the key. Looking at Luke chapter 3, starting with 2 and 3, it says, During the high priest of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. Something special happened to John. God spoke to him. God told him what to do. The word came to him, and John received it. John heard a calling on his life. Can you hear the calling that God has for you? Would you yield to that calling? Would you say yes to Jesus? John said, you know what? I heard you, God, and guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to go. And he went. He went out to all the region proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. He was obedient to the word of God, obedient to his assignments. Sometimes when God speaks to us and we know what he's asking us to do, we have to take that step of faith. And trust that God is leading us on a path of righteousness, a path of holiness, that he has something great in store for us, that he has a family to impact, a workplace to impact, a job to impact. Trust God because he's got work for us. John was obedient immediately. Not like Jonah, maybe, who had to spend three days in the belly of a well. And almost get a ship wrecked before he said yes to preaching to the Nineveh. Not like Moses who made excuses about whether he would have good enough speech to bring the word of God back to Egypt. No, Jonah would sit there and make excuses about why he didn't want to preach to those people. And Moses said, I'm not the right one. But John, John was bold. He was fearless. He was obedient. In that verse 7 through 9, he said to the crowds that came out to baptize him, you brought of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Bear fruits in 
keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Can you imagine the Pharisees and the Sadducees standing around listening to this man talking about you brood of vipers? Will we be willing to stand there and do that when we see something wrong? In that instant, John knew that their spirit of repentance was not really about repentance. It was more about themselves. It was about, hey, let me feel safe. But their fruit was telling them something different. Their fruit was saying, I'm not really repenting. We have to know that if it's true repentance, it will reflect in our fruit. John knew. That's why he called them out. That's why he called out Herod, because John knew that it was not lawful for Herod to have that woman in his house. John spoke the truth to all the people. He he said, be fair in your dealings. Share with those that don't have enough. Collect only the taxes that are due. Don't be extortionist. Uh, Don't accuse people wrongly and, and be content with your wages. He said, John knew what the kingdom of God really should look like. And finally... And most importantly, John was humble. He was humble in his spirit. And he said in Luke 3.16, and when the people began to ask the question, if he was the Christ, he said, I baptize you with water. But he who is mightier than I is coming. The strap of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. John, for his faithfulness, though, because he still was humble, because he still was obedient, because he still was bold, he still ended up in prison. In prison. Just because we do what God tells us to do, it doesn't mean that this life on this earth will end up the way we plan it to. But we have to embrace that. Because this is just a temporary pit stop. This is not our resting place. This is a place along the way. 70 years, 80 years, maybe out of eternity. What is that? We have to be willing to let this go. Willing to say, this is not home. Even in prison, though, you think about John. Say, John was a great man. He, He was bold. He was fearless. He was obedient. But just like us, When he was in prison, and I'm coming out of Mark 11, but it's not on the screen. It says, some doubt came over John. And he said, now when John heard in prison about the deeds of Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, are you the one? Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? You see, even in our Strength, when despair comes on us, there's doubt that sets in. And that's okay. Because what does Jesus do? Jesus confirms to John. He says, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. And the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. Blessed are the ones that are not offended by me. 
So even in his despair, Jesus reached out and said, John, I'm the one. What was prophesied in the Old Testament, here it is before you. I am the one. People are being healed. People are being preached to. So even when you find yourself in that place of despair, know that God will reach in and speak to your heart if you just call on him. But John still ended up losing his head, but his faith in Christ was confirmed. Can you think of anyone that you'd rather lose your head for than Jesus Christ? I couldn't see God letting John rot in jail. And he didn't. He called him home. He called him home to a better place. He took him out of that damp, dreary cell. Sometimes we look at this life we hold on to so deeply. Christ tells us to give it up. Give up that life for me. What choice will you make? What choice will you make? God wants it all. He wants us to be all in. He doesn't want us to be posers of self-righteousness. He doesn't want us to be pretenders. He doesn't want us to be prideful. For we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. John could not have done any of what he did without the Holy Spirit in him. His faith was sustained by Jesus Christ. His obedience to the word gave him steadfastness. Is there one that will say, I want to be like John? No one really wants to give up their life. But Paul said, for this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. So when you find yourselves in those situations where you're feeling under attack, when you find yourself in those situations where things aren't going right, when you find yourself feeling like you might even die, this is but a momentary affliction of the glory that awaits us in heaven, a home, a place with many mansions that Jesus himself has prepared for us. So we don't hold on to this too dearly. Are you ready to make a choice? about living a righteous life? Are you ready to make a choice about running for Jesus? Are you ready to make that choice to say, there's nothing that's going to stop me from doing what you asked me to do, God? I want to follow the assignment that you've given me. I want to follow the calling that you've given me. I want to be like John. I want to be bold for Jesus. I want to be fearless for Jesus. I want to speak out against injustice. I want to speak out against sin. We can't be like John without the power of the Holy Spirit in us. Our flesh is too weak. We cannot do this alone. In our own strength, we are not able to conquer the enemy. Even Paul said, the things I want to do, I don't do. But the things that I do, I don't want to do. He struggled with sin. The only way to get off to the merry ground of sin is to turn everything over to Jesus. Jesus came that we had life and life more abundantly. But to live, as Jesus said to live, we must what? Take up our cross to follow him. It is a daily thing that we must do. Recognizing that the way to the cross will be carried by him. He said his yoke is easy. 
We don't have to live in hiding anymore. We don't have to be cowards anymore. We don't have to rise up in our pride anymore. We don't have to live in fear anymore. All we need to do is call on the name of Jesus and he will deliver us out of all of our situations. Let us turn from our sin and turn to God because he has prepared a better way for us. God, we just need to lean on him. We just need to trust him. We just need to give it to him. We need to yield and say, God, please take this sin from my life. God, please help me to be the man you've called me to be. Help me to walk the walk you've given me to walk. Help me to walk the talk. God, help me. Jesus, help me. What choice will you make today? Not tomorrow. Not the day after. But what choice will you make today about living for Christ? There might be somebody here today that does not know the saving power of our Lord Jesus Christ, that does not know about the grace and mercy that he has available for you. There may be somebody here today that has never really given their heart to Christ. Today is the day for you to say yes to Jesus. Today is the day to say, God, I'm not going to pretend anymore. I'm going to come and give it to you right now. God, I yield. If the Spirit of God is not in you, if you have not given your life to Christ, then your salvation is in question because the only place you can go is hell after that. I know we don't talk about that much. But that's the reality. That is the reality. Today is the day for you to make a choice for righteousness, for you to make a choice for godliness, for you to say, Jesus, I yield. Is there one that will stand today and say, Jesus, I yield? I've never accepted you before, God, but I, I give it all to you right now. And is there one today that has never laid down their heart before Jesus? Today is the day. Now is the time. God is waiting for you to say yes. On this day, we will celebrate the Lord's Supper. It is a time to reflect back on the goodness of God. A time to think about all that God has done for us. I think about his grace and his mercy. For on that night, he was sitting with his disciples and he took the bread and he broke the bread and said, this is my body. Eat of this in remembrance of me. And on that same night, he gave them the wine and he said, drink, drink this, my blood, in remembrance of me as often as you would. It is a sacred time for those that have accepted Christ. This table is open for you. If you accepted Christ in your heart, he wants to feast with you. Search your heart. If there's things in there that's, that's still not quite where God would want you to be, give it to him right now. If there's things in your heart that you just can't seem to figure out how to get, over, get around and sin keeps grabbing you, give it to him right now. Repent. 
so that when you come before the Lord, God, I'm coming for a new start. I'm coming to get it right. And if by chance your heart is pure, look to the hope in Jesus Christ. The hope of the future of the day he will come back on a cloud with the trumpet sounding, calling us home. That is the hope we have in Jesus. This is all temporary. Trust the Lord. Give him your heart. Come and partake of the Holy Communion as we too are his disciples. And as you finish reflecting, I think I have two servers, four servers, and then. What choice will you make today? What choice will you make today? God is speaking to you now. Communion table is open. Come as you will. Partake of the Lord.
us to one more song, but I will pray before we leave. God, we just thank you for this day, God. We thank you for all that you've done uh, throughout the two services, Lord. We just thank you for Riverside, oh God, that you would continue to pour out your spirit upon this church, God. We thank you, God, that your word would go forth, God, and maybe, God, that it would fall on good soil on this day, God, that someone would be changed by what you've put out there, God, and just we trust you. We give you glory. We give you honor. Have your way in our souls, God. As we ask the question, what choice will we make? Use us for your glory. Protect us as we travel home. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.